I like the fall. I like being able to wear jeans and long sweaters and stuff. And then you get into Halloween. Then you get through Halloween, and then you get into Thanksgiving. And then you get to Christmas, right, which is where we're headed to now. But it seems that each year, Christmas is starting to come earlier and earlier. Have you noticed that? Uh, Christmas starts playing on the radio in September. Uh, Starbucks converts over to Christmas drinks and decorations on November 1st. And Walmart puts their decorations out in July. And it seems that some people just want to race to get to Christmas. I'm kind of like, slow down here. I'm not quite ready for Christmas. Even though we know what Christmas is about, it's about Jesus. I'm not quite ready for that. But, you know, maybe I should because one study showed that people who listen to Christmas music early, uh, earlier than Thanksgiving, are happier, and they get into a better mood. So maybe we should listen to Christmas music earlier. I don't know. But I'm more of a traditionalist and to where I like to hang off on Christmas until after Thanksgiving. So now it's after Thanksgiving, so now we are in Christmas time. So the last couple of years, uh, we were gone the Thanksgiving weekend, and so my wife didn't want to have to come back and put a Christmas tree up, and so we were putting the Christmas tree up the week before Thanksgiving, which I felt like I should like repent or something from, you know, I just, it's very hard to do, it's just hard for me to do that, and I was kind of in a bad mood that I was putting up my Christmas tree before, but for whatever reason, my wife just allowed us to do it the Friday after Thanksgiving, so I think we have a couple pictures, the Friday after Thanksgiving, we played some Christmas music, and, and we put the Christmas tree up, there's little John David in his pajamas, and uh, another picture of Annabeth as well, I think, putting him up. And so I was happy because we were doing it the day after Thanksgiving. I got through all my holidays, so now we can get into the Christmas season, and it's Christmas time. And this is the, the first Sunday of what we call Advent, which is why we have a candle lit. And it's for those believers who, who follow the Christian liturgical calendar. And this is entering the Christmas season on the Christian calendar. So no matter what radio stations or Starbucks or Walmart tells us, we're officially now in Christmas season. Amen. So today we're going to look at a passage of scripture that talks about Christmas before there was a Christmas. And we're looking at a passage that prophesied the coming of Jesus hundreds of years before he ever came. And as Christmas season is now here, we're going to start preparing our hearts for what Christmas is all about. So we are in Isaiah chapter 9, starting in verse 2. Isaiah writes that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light, and that those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. 
on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Father in heaven, as we come into this Christmas season, we get into December. We get into the, the hustle, uh, the bustle of Christmas time. Lord, I pray that we would be able to focus on Lord, those things that, that are the reason we celebrate you. That being what Jesus brings us this Christmas time. And so as we look at this passage today, Father, show us how we can, we can live this spirit of Christmas to those around us during December. Those who don't know Jesus, those who may, are, may be far from him. And that we can shine that light, be a, a beacon of hope to those who need Jesus. And Lord, that we would realize that you are our light. And you are the beacon of hope for us. Father, I pray that my words reflect your heart today. That you fill me with your spirit as I preach. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to give you five characteristics, five characteristics of the Christmas season that we see here in this passage. Five characteristics of the Christmas season that we see here in Isaiah chapter 9. Number one, Christmas is a time for light to shine. Christmas is a time for light to shine. Verse 2 says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light that those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness on them has light shined. Well, what is he talking about? So looking at Isaiah chapter 9, 700 years before Christ. Well, Isaiah did minister 700 years before Jesus, and he served the southern kingdom of Judah, which is in Israel, and he uh, served under four different kings. So he outlasted all these kings. And at the time of Isaiah's ministry, Judah was a, a country that had fallen away from the Lord. They were sinful, they were unjust, they were not doing what God had wanted them to do. But Isaiah still believed that Judah was God's chosen nation and that they would be vindicated by God. So he was giving prophecy, even though that they, were, they needed to repent, he was giving prophecy that there would be a one day that would be a great day for God's people. And he talks about how they were walking in darkness. And this is a metaphor, and it has this idea of being walking in, a, in, a, in, a, in an oppressive state. They're being oppressed by people. They're being held down by people, both physically and spiritually. But there's this idea that there's light that's going to shine in that darkness. This is the idea of, of being liberated, of being freed. And he's referring to a group of people who lived in this area of Galilee, where Jesus was from, who lived lives of literal oppression, lived lives of literal slavery. But there would be a day where they would be Freed. Because they were in the northern part of the area, they experienced the most frequent attacks from marauding enemies. And they were a buffer zone of sorts to the territory. So there the people were the ones that got the first attacks. They were the ones where the children and the women were enslaved. They were the ones who constantly were oppressed. But Isaiah is saying that there will be a day where even this group will receive a special blessing. They'll be the first to see the light of the Messiah. Because, see, Jesus is light. That's what he is. Look at what John 1 says about Jesus. John says that the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He, being Jesus, was in the world. 
The world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. His own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who, was, who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man, but of God. That Jesus Christ who came into this world to draw people to himself so people could be children of God, that he is the true light, that he shines his light and his truth into a dark world. And as we enter into the Christmas season, we need to remember that that is what God is doing in the world and that's what he should be doing through us. So when you're driving around the store looking for a parking spot, when you're at the checkout line getting the last box of Little Debbie Christmas tree cakes in Monk's Corner, you can't find them anywhere. We had to go to Somerville. I'm not telling you where we went. <laughs> not telling you. When you're doing that, what should be in your mind is that Jesus is light. And as a Christian, if you know Jesus, you are shining his light into a dark place, to a dark world. Jesus is light, and Christmas is a time for us to let our light shine, like the Bible tells us, because Jesus is in us. So, Christmas is a time for light to shine. Secondly, Christmas is a time for joy to increase. Christmas is a time for joy to increase. He says in verse 3, you have multiplied the nation, you have increased its joy. What is he talking about? He says that the ones who are to believe in the one true God will increase by the account of the coming of Jesus. That the nation of true believers will be multiplied as many others turn to the true light. He says that you've multiplied your people, they have, you have increased your people's joy, and they rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. It's hard to understand this. Because we, we see our culture and our, our nation shifting and things like this. And we see so much evil. And we have so much access to, to just videos and just articles of things that happen around our country. You know, 60 years ago, you'd have no idea what was happening in California until next week. But now you know right now. You know what's happening all across our country at all times. It doesn't feel like this sometimes. But the truth of the matter is there are more Christians in the world today than ever before. It doesn't feel like it because we see so much more darkness. We see so much more sin. We live with that now. But it is. It's the truth. The gospel continues to go through the world, continues to save people. And it says that when they, when they are saved, they rejoice as if they are at the time of harvest. Think about what a, a farmer had to do. He had to work. He had to plant he had, to, he had to get the field ready. He had to plant. Then he had to let it grow. And he had to chase off deer and things like this, right? He had, to, he, had, he had to make sure that what he planted grew. And then if it grew, the harvest is where the money was. That's where the payoff was. If, if there was no harvest, he lost everything. He lost all his money. So the joy a farmer has when his crop is harvested, it produces fruit, it produces something. That joy is the joy that we should have when we know we have Jesus in our life. It's joy, and it increases. When people turn to the light of Jesus, they rejoice as if they've received this huge payday bonus because of what Jesus brings to them. But he doesn't just do that. It says they divide the spoils. This is an athletic term, whereas a champion 
divides the spoils. They, they've, they've, they've won everything, and then they divvy out the rest. It's kind of like, you know, they win, and then they get a ticker-tape parade, although the one in Atlanta went by like 30 miles per hour for the Braves, but they have a ticker-tape parade. They, they get rings. They get banners hung. They get acclaim. They get all these things, and they, they enjoy that victory. And that's what he's saying, that Christmas is a time for us to remember that we have the victory in Jesus. Look at Isaiah 35. He says this later. He says, The ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads, and they shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The sorrow of having no hope will disappear. The sighing of life being hard, it'll still be there, but it'll go away as we think of what God has given us. Christmas is a time for us to remember that our joy has been increased because of the light of Jesus coming into the world. Third, Christmas is a time for burdens to break. Christmas is a time for burdens to break. He says, verse 4, For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as the day of Midian. Y'all know about the day of Midian, right? Maybe not. <laughs> what is the day of Midian? What's he referring to? Well, the day of Midian refers to Judges 6 through 8, where God raised up a judge, a person to deliver his people from oppression. His name was Gideon. And he saved his people from the oppression of the Midianites who were oppressing that group of people. Now, Gideon raised an army of 32,000 soldiers. He did the right thing. He recruited. He trained. He had 32,000 soldiers. He was prepared for that battle. And God said, nope, that's too many men. And he got rid of some. And he got rid of some more. And he, and he, dwiddle, and he whittled away in his army until there was only 300 men left. 300. Then in the night, God confused the Midianites. And they went into a panic. And in that panic, they started killing each other. So God saved Israel through Gideon without them doing a thing. See, that's how Jesus saves us. That's how he relieves our burdens. We don't do anything. God gets the victory. God gets the glory. They were saved through Gideon without lifting a weapon. Without doing a thing, God saved. And that's what he's saying, that God's going to save in the same way as in the days of Midian. God's going to save the same, save the same way today. You're not going to have to do anything. Nothing you can do to save yourself, but just trust in Jesus. That's how Jesus saves us. So that's how he relieves our burdens, by us giving them to him. Look at Psalm 55 too. The Bible commands us to, to cast your burden, I think I might give, give him the wrong one, but what mine says is cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain us. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. This means to cast your anxieties to the Lord, not to worry. Now, when, you can't just say don't worry about something. You can't just not do You have to replace it with something. You can't just say, you know, quit eating so much. You have to eat healthy, right? You have to replace it with something. So when you say, don't worry, you have to say, what do you do instead? Well, instead of worrying, we, we take those thoughts and we pray and we trust them and we give them to the Lord. 
You know, worrying is one of those things that doesn't do anything but produce more worry. It produces nothing. It just produces more worry, more anxiety. And so we have replaced that with this idea of casting our burdens on the Lord instead of just sitting around and thinking, what am I going to do about this? What am I going to do about that? How's this going to work? How's this going to work? We say, Lord, I don't know how this is going to work, but I need you to help me, Lord. I need, I need to trust in you. We, we cast our burdens to him. We're not meant to carry them. Jesus has come so he can take those burdens away. Verse 5 says that every boot of the warrior in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be burned. What is he talking about? He's saying that there would be a man, a victor named Jesus, who would come and he would destroy our burdens forever. See, in heaven there's no burdens. None. Isn't that amazing? No burdens in eternity. No burdens in heaven. We still have some now, but we can give them to Jesus. He carries them for us. We still have hard times. We still have issues from time to time. But we're meant to give them to Christ. And Christmas is a time for us to allow Jesus to break those burdens and take them off of our back. Four, Christmas is a time for Jesus to be celebrated. Christmas is a time for Jesus to be celebrated. Verse 6 tells us this. For to us a child is born. If you've ever gone to a Christmas play, you've probably heard this read somewhere. To us a son is given. A government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. See, Jesus is the wonderful counselor. He's the best counselor. He gives the best counsel. He gives the best advice because he is the best. See, my two-year-old every now and then, he'll tell me when he's trying to, like, get on my good side, or maybe he really means it. If I go get him a juice cup or something and give it to him, he'll say, Daddy, you're the best. You're the best. I'm like, I just got you a juice cup. That's all I did, right? Daddy, you're the best. And he really thinks that I'm the best daddy that there is because he's the only daddy he knows, right? But God is the best and that he is, his ideas are the best as a counselor. His strategies are the greatest. His counsel is perfect. He's also called a mighty God. And that means that he is so mighty that his enemies are defeated, that his might is superior. He is an everlasting father and that he is the eternal, all uh, lasting, loving Father. He loves, he loves perfectly. He, he's the perfect protector. He loves endlessly. He cares perfectly. He holds his people lovingly. He is the Father of all fathers. And he is the Prince of Peace. And that he brings peace to us. Even though Christ died for us while we were still enemies and still sinners of him, he reconciles us. He brings us back to the Father. He takes this runaway, sinful person that we are, and he puts us back into relationship with God the Father. He brings peace to our lives, even when we're not searching for it. He brings it to us. He calms the storms in our lives. You know, it's ironic that Christmas is such a busy, crazy, stress-filled time, isn't it? We're worshiping the prince of peace, not the prince of stress. <laughs> but you wouldn't know it around all these Christmas things. And last year we didn't really have it much, and maybe not the year before. I guess the year before we did. I don't know. What year are we in? COVID's, I've lost a year and a half of my life. What is this, 2021? <laughs> I guess 2019 we did have it, right? But we're starting to have Christmas programs again in schools and churches and organizations. Christmas this and Christmas that and Christmas parties and you're going to have people coming over to your house. You're going to go over to people's houses. You're going to eat their cookies and you might like them and you might not. 
things like this. You're going to have all this kind of togetherness, and it's just stressful. But Christmas is not the time to be stressed. Christmas is a time to have peace. So let us remember that Christmas is a time for Jesus to be celebrated. And we celebrate Jesus, there's peace. If we celebrate other things at Christmas, like busyness or just love in general or even family or anything like that, we just celebrate those things, those bring stress. But when the focus is on Christ, those things, he brings peace. Let's remember that. Jesus is a time, Christmas is a time for Jesus to be celebrated. Look at Hebrews 1. Hebrews says that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world, that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Jesus is the physical manifestation of God. The exact imprint. When you see Jesus, you see God. And when we see him in heaven, we will see God. And so Christmas is a time to don't forget. We hear it all the time. Jesus is the reason for the season. Don't take Christ out of Christmas. But do we really understand what we're saying when we're saying that? Focus on Jesus. Don't just say Merry Christmas. If you say Merry Christmas, that's no different than saying Happy Holidays if you're not focusing on Jesus. We're going to keep Christ in Christmas. We've got to think about Jesus. We've got to think about Christ and what he gives us. Christmas is a time for Jesus to be celebrated. And finally, number five, Christmas is a time for eternity to be pondered. Christmas is going to be a time where many people may actually have some downtime in their life. You know, we've had, we've, our kids have been out of school for a few days. I've had a lot of family time last week. I don't know about you guys. All six of us, they've had some time to think, process. I realize one of my children has a whole lot more energy than I thought they did before. What's wrong with this child? Well, she's not in school. That's what's wrong with this child. It's hopping around, jumping everywhere. Christmas is going to be a time where some people are going to be forced to slow down, forced to think about things, think about their life, think about what Christmas is about, think about faith, think about Eternity. Look what he says in verse 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. The empire of Jesus never ends. In fact, it expands. His kingdom will keep increasing, it says. And in heaven, never will we say, we've seen it all. We won't get bored. It'll keep getting better. It'll keep growing. It'll be a place that keeps on getting better and better. So it helps us think about eternity. He says on the throne of David over his kingdom that he will establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. That heaven is a place of complete righteousness, of complete justice. And that it says that this will happen because Jesus has zeal. What is that? Well... This is, refers to passion. This has the idea of a, of a person's face burning red. Hopefully it's not when you're rushing around Christmas time in the stores. But with God, it's not because he can't get in the shortest checkout line. It's because he has a burning desire to save people. 
That's what that passion is. It's God's passion to save people. That's why he sent Jesus. So let us remember that Christmas is a time for eternity to be pondered. Well, there's a famous Southern Baptist uh, pastor, theologian, seminary president named Dr. John Broadus. He grew up years ago in a little town. And when he grew up, he came to Christ, came to faith in Christ. And he had been attending some revival meetings. And he got excited after he came to Christ and he, and he went and approached one of this little boy in his little church. His name was Sandy Jones. And he said, I want you to be a Christian, will you? And the little boy said, well, I don't know. Perhaps I will. This is back, you know, 1900s. And sure enough, after one of the meetings, one night in the little church, Sandy Jones accepted Christ. And he walked, and after the meeting at the little church house, he walked out of the church house, and he grabbed his hand to John. He says, I thank you, John. I thank you, John, for, for, for telling him he needs to turn to Jesus. Well, Dr. Broadus, he became a doctor. He went on from that little town, became a great scholar, a, a great preacher, a great theological seminary president. And every summer he would come home to his little church. And he would see that awkward, red-haired, now adult farmer boy in plain clothes, boots on. And he would come up to him and say, Howdy, John. Thank you, John. I'll never forget, John. Every year he would tell Dr. Broadus the same thing. When Dr. Broadus died, his family was around him. And he said this as he was getting ready to be with Jesus. He says, I rather think the sound sweetest to my ears in heaven next to the welcome of him whom having not seen I have loved and tried to serve. He says, the sweetest sound to my ears will be the welcome of Sandy Jones. As he will thrust out his great hand and say, howdy, John. Thank you, John. Christmas time is a time where we ponder it. Eternity. And there are people that haven't been to church a lot lately, haven't been to worship a lot lately. There are people who don't know Jesus in your life. Maybe this is the year where you come up to them and you say, I want you to be in worship with me. I want you to know the Lord. And you never know what that will do to a relationship. And maybe one day in heaven, just like Dr. Broadus. Someone will meet you there, and they'll say, howdy, I thank you. Heavenly Father, as we close our time together today, we, we thank you for Christ Jesus. We thank you for what you've done for us in him. And as we enter into this Christmas season and the, the hustle and the bustle of everything, Lord, that all these memories and scents and smells and tastes come back to us, and, and it can be overwhelming but, Lord, you are a God that brings peace. So as you get ready to get into December this week, Father, get ready to get into that Christmas celebration. We have Christmas musicals and performances and children do things at Christmas and all these different things, Lord, that our schools have. And we'll not forget Christmas is a time for us to remember what you bring us, what you give us. Father, if there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you before, they would do so today. You would take the burden off of them. And you would forgive them of their sin. Give them forgiveness and give them salvation in eternity today. If they would ask you for that, that you would give it to them. 
Father, for those of us that know Jesus, that we would not forget the real reason for this season. And that is to make it about you. Everything that we do, point to you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this time. I thank you for those that are here today, that are worshiping here today in spirit and truth. As we get ready to get into this busy season, that you will calm all their hearts. You will give them that peace that passes understanding. Prepare them for the Christmas time. Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.